Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Tuesday, April 4th. Happy Travel Tuesday and happy April, everyone. Q1 has come and gone and we're on to Q2 here. So what are your travel goals for this quarter? Happy spring. It's going to be a good one. We're going to have a great show today, too, talking big news around the world of travel. Joining me on the show later is Audrey Henley, American Express Travel President. We're going to dive into what's shaping travelers' mindsets these days. But first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening to the podcast here, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. We begin with air travel news, and the FAA is warning of air traffic controller shortage ahead of the summer travel season. That's not good. Specifically, New York is the area that really needs help. The FAA has predicted a 45% more delays if nothing changes there. And that's less than ideal, obviously, because New York is such a big hub around the U.S. and the world there. So saying, quote, in a statement, the FAA is taking several steps to keep air travel to and from New York City this summer safe and smooth even as we see strong domestic demand and a return of pre-pandemic international traffic. The Washington Post reported that airline executives expressed a willingness to cooperate with the agency, but also some frustration as well as they're working to restore their own operations to pre-pandemic levels. Airlines have been given until April 30th to decide their next move, but United and Delta Airlines have reportedly already expressed their initial approval on the FAA's proposal. Both said that they would try to employ larger planes to the extent possible on flights between New York and D.C. and be more transparent with the public about their efforts to avoid flight disruptions. Yes, public transparency. We would we would love to see that. Is that, is that asking for, for too much these days, right? I don't know. You tell me, right? Um, speaking of transparency as well, you know, uh, fees. Nobody loves fees, right? So legislation was just introduced to crack down on the travel industry junk fees. The proposal, titled the Junk Fee Prevention Act, aims to end the unfair surprise costs of consumers and mandates airline, entertainment, and ticketing industry fairness. Hotels would have to clearly and conspicuously display in each advertisement and when a price is first shown to a consumer, the total price of the good or service provided by the covered entity, including any mandatory fees a consumer would incur during the transaction. This specific mandate would also eliminate drip pricing. It's the practice of obscuring extra fees until the conclusion of the booking process. Drip pricing often results in a final price that is substantially higher than the advertised amount. The legislation also prevents airlines from charging extra to seat a young child adjacent to an accompany adult. And the senator did say in a statement saying, quote, our bill will help end the price gouging, forcing full disclosure upfront and restricting abusive fees. It will mandate basic common sense fairness and transparency, which consumers rightly demand and deserve. Again, back to that public transparency there, which consumers rightfully demand and deserve, right? Amen to that. Let's get on it. Let's see this. Uh, Will it actually pass? That is another story, right? I mean, I think we as consumers can all agree that this is good, right? I mean, if you're against this, please, please let me know. Podcast at TravelPulse.com is the email. You can call and state your case to leave a message. 201-381-3017 is the Travel Pulse podcast number, but I would love to hear your thoughts on that front i mean naturally hotels and airlines are going to disagree because eliminating fees for them equals less money for them and we all know that those places are uh they're about them dollars dollar dollar bills y'all yeah i mean most of us are these days right i mean shouldn't necessarily be our full focus but uh that inflation is is getting so it's on the top of mind for many for sure and it impacts travel in more ways than one obviously as we know but again junk fees get rid of them will it actually pass it remains to be seen. That is another story. I remain hopeful. 
and positive that it'll get done, right? <laughs> Jumping over to cruise news now, according to the Cruise Lines International Association 2023 State of the Cruise Industry Report, global cruise tourism was forecasted to surpass pre-pandemic totals this year, with the industry growing by almost 20% by 2028. Cruise tourism is expected to reach 106% of 2019 levels just this year, with 31.5 million passengers expected to be sailing this year. The cruise industry continues to be one of the fastest growing sectors out there. It's jumping from 29.7 million in 2019 to the predicted 36 million by 2024, 37 million by 2025, and 39.5 million by 2027. So big things popping in the cruise industry there. And in our uh, top takeaway story of this 2023 State of the Industry report, uh, we reached out to some advisors and uh, Scott Lara of thecruisegenius.com, also a former guest on the podcast. Shout out, Scott. He told Travel Pulse here that I remain troubled that the price of cruising is at an all-time high. My concern is that the price of cruising may be out of reach for many Americans. If cruise lines stop increasing prices, I feel that cruising will be a great vacation option for singles, couples, and family. You hear, Scott? I'm with you on that. I think, you know, everything is just going up. We, we know this. And it's unfortunate that you just have to figure out a way to deal with it <laughs> as, as a, you know, my advisor friends as businesses and you know, deals are going to be hot, especially for the for the many Americans out there that price is the number one factor. Because there are some that just it's not. I mean, yes, rich spenders are cutting back on that, but they've got the, the means to actually get out there and travel. Whereas maybe the, your middle of America family has only got one vacation in the summer that they're planning. How are they going to best plan that? How are they best going to spend their hard earned dollars? You know, a cruise is a great option. You've got many destinations. You unpack once. The ships are entertaining themselves you know their destinations into themselves essentially but again it goes back to the price for so many so yes hop on the deals and when is the best time to book a cruise earlier this year honestly with your wave season was probably your best bet but again if you're a consumer listening and you, you're thinking about cruise work with a travel advisor and they'll find something that works for you 100 percent. other takeaways from that report travelers also spent an average of 750 dollars per person in port cities throughout a typical seven-day voyage Younger travelers are also using travel advisors to book cruises at a higher rate than other generations. Love to see that. Great for the future of the industry. Young people get out there, use an advisor. We need to preach that more to the younger generations for sure. Because I know a lot of younger people out there, it's just, I don't want the, the, just the mantra of, I don't, I don't want to do it. You do it for me, right? So <laughs> lean into that, right? Data also showed that 60% of the ships scheduled to debut between 2023 and 2028 would rely on the liquefied natural gas, LNG. It's taking over. It's already been in a few ships you've seen out here with Royal Caribbean, uh, Carnival and First and Royal Caribbean and uh, on those. Uh, that's the future in the, of a more eco-friendly cruise industry and a more eco-friendly cruise ship. But the industry knows there's still work to be done there uh, for something even better down the future. I, I would say keep the focus on that. It, don't just buy into this all the way and say that this is the way because this there there is a better way, I'm sure. I'd, well, hopefully that uh, that becomes the case because people are not slowing down on cruising. We know that for sure. So speaking of something more sustainable in cruising, though, the dining experience on board is actually being elevated. Cruise lines continue to enhance the food and beverage options on board cruise ships, coming up with new ways to surpass passenger expectations while also making culinary operations more sustainable on that. Norwegian Zero Waste Bar, for example, on Norwegian Prima comes to mind on that. Um, the six leading cruise accounts actually account, uh, cruise lines actually account for over $2 billion in food and beverage annually. So this coming from a report off of the food and beverage at sea event. We have a, a full report up on that. You can check it over on travelpulse.com. Cruise lines are delivering more sophisticated, sustainable culinary experiences is the headline if you want to Google that. So they're, they're working on 
um, better catering to guests with dietary restrictions as well. So they're taking note of what's important and the culinary experience is, is big and more on culinary travel later on during the interview of this podcast segment. Moving along though to destination news, which Caribbean destinations are experiencing the greatest tourism growth? It's no secret that we know the Caribbean is booming, but which ones are jumping out in front? According to Forward Keys, which analyzed the top Caribbean destinations, looking at international visitor arrivals during the first half of 2023 compared to 2019, just prior to the onset of the pandemic, of course, that data reveals promising growth across the region, with some countries and territories bouncing back in a big way. And we look to U.S. Virgin Islands leading the way, followed by Turks and Caicos, St. Martin, Guadeloupe, and Jamaica to round out the top five. I've got Jamaica on my calendar later this year, very much looking forward to that. Got to get my passport renewed before that. But uh, I would also say if you've never, I mean, it's no surprise, first and foremost, U.S. Virgin Islands leading the way. That's not a surprise. You know, the U.S. territory there, don't have to bring the passport. So no surprise that that's jumping out in front for American travelers on that. But I love and just travelers in general, I guess, too. And uh, Guadalupe, don't sleep on Guadalupe. I went there in 2018 and I absolutely loved it. And I think you would too. So put it on your radar as a bit of an underrated Caribbean destination. So shout out Guadalupe there. Of course, the Caribbean still has its challenges. That includes rising operating costs, labor shortages, increasing airfares, global competition, of course, economic uncertainty, and pressure from governments to increase taxes. This coming from the Caribbean Hotel and Tourism Association's officials. The organization's president said, while we've turned the pandemic corner, we're not out of the woods yet. Many businesses are still climbing out of massive debts and facing global competitive pressure on price increases. Now is not the time to increase taxes as we are hearing from several countries. We'll see how that goes over the coming time. Uh, obviously, you know, governments are going to do what they are going to do. And tourism is such a big driver to the Caribbean. So I would listen to those officials. But what do I know, right? So we do know. And what I do know, though, is that people are going to the Caribbean in droves and they're not going to slow down. I love seeing other destinations too, cracking top fives of, of just better growth to some of the, I wouldn't say less popular ones, but yeah, it's it expand your horizons on the Caribbean. Don't just go to the same places over and over and venture out to new ones. So, and closing out destination news, we head over to Florida as the ongoing back and forth between Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Walt Disney World is heating up. DeSantis, some say, felt slighted when Disney spoke out against one of his policies last year, and that's why he stripped the resort of its self-governing powers in the Reedy Creek Improvement District and installed five members to oversee it. But uh, here's where things get really interesting. Disney got it back. How so, you ask? Well, a little known uh, important clause there in the original contract said that the special tax district cannot be disbanded until the monarchy of the United Kingdom is disbanded. According to the clause, the rules cannot be changed until 21 years after the descendants of King Charles pass. So uh, that's going to be a while. King Charles is about to have his coronation, which is going to give England a nice tourism boost for sure. On that, any royal associations usually do. Uh, the royal family continues to grow there. So, I mean, interesting little clause there. But uh, DeSantis is not backing down. He said, quote, there's a lot of little back and forths going on now with the state taking control. But rest assured, you know, you ain't seen nothing yet. The Florida governor told a crowd in Smyrna, Georgia, according to CNN, and saying, quote, there's more to come in that regard. End quote. So the feud continues on. Walt Disney was a visionary, though, wasn't he? I mean, end of the monarchy. What a move. I want to know what else 
what else has this clause out there? Any, uh, and also, is this clause now to, about to be used in mass since this has made such headlines last week? You know, that's actually really smart. I'm going to put that in my clause for my diner, my, I don't even know out there, but uh, I'm sure that is going to be used. Uh, one thing we do know about Disney, though, is uh, Disney World is going to continue to grow. Disney CEO Bob Iger unveiled during a shareholder meeting that the company plans to invest over $17 billion, with a B, in the Florida theme park and a move that will create an estimated 13,000 new jobs directly and thousands indirectly. So in February, Disney's Parks Experiences and Products Department reported $8.74 billion in the first quarter revenue, a 21% increase from last year. Domestic parks and experiences accounted for $6.07 billion of that total. Disney's got the money, and they're spending it big time. And they're going to enhance the theme parks and the theme experiences in Florida. Uh, $17 billion investment into Disney World. Let's see, uh, rumor time, a brand new theme park. Anyone? Is it time for a brand new park? An adults-only park? A villains park? based on a villains themed based uh, park that the fans have been clamoring for and asking about for years now. I doubt it. I doubt any of that. No new parks. I think they're just going to continue to rework what they've got and maybe expand onto some of the areas. If they do decide any expansions we've, we've seen over in the last decade, there has been that there. Uh, Pandora is a huge success. I love that. And uh, maybe, maybe just a park that has some land space for it. Magic kingdom or perhaps animal kingdom. Um, the Disney parks, I mean, they need a Black Panther and a Wakanda-based attraction. It's You, you got to set that up. You're, um, you're getting Moana coming to Epcot. There's potential rumors, I think, of Moana replacing Dinoland out there. And um, I don't know how much land there is between um, the two lands out there in Animal Kingdom, but that, that seems like something you could do. I know people would certainly love that. I mean, they just announced uh, the, the Rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson, excuse me, just announced the other day that they're doing a live action of Moana. So it makes sense that they're going to jump on more Moana-based attractions to coincide with that. And the Moana hype will jump back up for sure once they do a live action on that and potentially expand upon that franchise in the movies as well. Because once those are successful, you see more in the theme park space on that too. Just look at Frozen. So what say you, dear listener? Should Disney expand existing parks or are you ready for a new one? Podcast at TravelPulse.com is the email you can reach out. That wraps up what has been trending in the world of travel any additional thoughts, hit me up on the email train. Give me a shout. Follow me on social media at Eric Bowman underscore on the social channels or reach out to me, ebowman at travelpulse.com. Love to hear from you folks out there. Now we're going to jump over to our interview segment of the show. And now joining me on the show is Audrey Henley, American Express Travel President. Welcome to the show, Audrey. Thanks very much, Eric, for having me. It's great to be here. Lovely. Yeah. So just for a refresher, tell our, our listeners a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, pleasure. Um, I'm responsible for American Express Travel, which is a global network of over 7,000 colleagues around the world, uh, providing travel services to our customers in many different countries um, to help them you know, plan close to home trips and trips that are just a little bit further and more complicated. And of course, part of that work is just making sure we all understand what's going on in the world, which I think is what we're going to chat about today. Yes, a lot going on out there indeed. You guys just dropped your 2023 version of the Global Travel Trends Report, and it highlights the trends and insights for the industry. So just real quick, you know, we'll get to it. What are some of the biggest takeaways from that report? What What is shaping travelers' mindsets in 2023? Well, first, let me take a step back. Uh, 2022 was a very strong year for us. 
we recovered at a higher rate than pre-pandemic. And in the fourth quarter, our bookings through the leisure travel part of our business were more than 50% higher than the pre-pandemic levels. So it's the highest rate of recovery since uh, the highest rate of growth since recovery started. And then as the pent-up demand for travel continues, travelers are eager, eager to take trips. The report shows the driving forces behind the travelers' behaviors and how they're shaping the trends in 2023 and beyond, obviously. And there's a notable shift towards personalization of travel experiences that cater to the travelers' interests and passions. In the past, travelers have worked their through list their themselves through a list of destinations. Now they're more focused on why they're traveling and what they hope to get out of the trip. So it's a nice change in mindset of why we're going different places. Yeah, why we do what we do. And it's great that the growth is the recovery, you know, since the recovery, it's it's nice to hear these positive things about, you know, travel moving forward. And, you know, you can look back a little bit and learn, obviously, from things, but, you know, we're, we're, we're pressing forward and it's going to be a big summer here coming ahead and a uh, big 2024 as well. Yeah, we see the same on our trends as well. Uh, we're seeing lots of things that customers are interested in now. Uh, it's fascinating to see how many people are inspired, for example, by their favorite TV shows and films. And Gen Zs and millennials in particular are looking to book trips to destinations such as Paris or Sicily. And it's easy to see why. Uh, they're fabulous destinations, but, you know, we've been watching shows and these shows are showing us unparalleled luxury experiences. And they have great cuisine and great views and lots of things to do. Yes, the White Lotus effect is real out there, especially among the younger generations on that. So Hawaii was big for the first season of that show. And then Italy's, you know, blossoming as well. And they just had a report that Thailand is going to be next for that show, which is going to skyrocket tourism over in Thailand. So any other destinations that are rising out there among travelers interest right now? Well, there's a lot of places. Ireland, obviously, we had that Oscar-nominated movie, The Banshees of Inishirin. Mm-hmm. That's driven a lot of interest in that particular destination. And it's the same, you know, well, Paris is the same, but Emily in Paris is another show that has a lot of interest. So it's the connection between what we're seeing on our media and kind of how we would like to travel and where we'd like to travel. Right. Yeah. Anything else surprise you about the millennials and Gen Z travelers from this report? For me, it's very interesting to see how food is so important to the overall travel experience. From visiting top restaurants to local eateries, or even taking cooking classes, which sounds like fun to me. Customers are traveling, their enti- planning their entire trips around restaurants or dining experiences. And millennials and Gen Z in particular uh, get a lot out of eating while traveling, and they get a lot of inspiration from social media. For me, there's no better place to plan a trip around food than Italy, of course, the pasta, the pizza, the world list goes on. Um, but connecting the, the the food part of the trip is very important for millennials and Gen Zs. Yeah, culinary tourism is is vastly growing for sure. And I, I, we always have this saying, and a bunch of my friends, I'm a millennial, so it's a, the phone eats first. Is a, is a popular uh, saying out there. And usually, you know, you, you got to get that quick pick for the gram or, or now TikTok as well. So certainly, you know, the social media aspect of marrying that with the food is, is growing. And uh, I'm, I'm right there with it. I'm right there with you on, on Italy, too. And even in the U.S., I think there's so many destinations that really just food can grasp to you and and, and bring the people into that destination, too. I, I think of New Orleans, for one, for sure. And 
even uh, Asheville, North Carolina is not really one that you think too much on the food scene. Like it's a little more pressed for the, the beer scene, which, you know, is, is great for sure. But there is phenomenal food scenes there, too. So that's just some stuff for, for me in the South here. But I, I know, you know New York up there for you is, is obviously the, one of the meccas of, of the culinary space for sure. That's right. And like, actually, if we move to the second trend, you just mentioned uh, traveling like a local. That's the second trend we're seeing. The first one was the connection of the, you know, social media uh, to the travel. But in terms of local, people are being more intentional about the types of trip they're taking. And we're seeing an increase uh, in focus in trying to book with brands that align with their values looking for authentic experiences, whether close to home or further away, hidden gems, and also supporting the local economy and the destinations of those economies. You know, getting to know what's going on in that destination and who are these people and what do they do. And, you know, whether you're close to home or you're traveling like a local, both of those things kind of hold true. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think with local, the local experience, you know, trying to dive into that is, is really something that, you know, needs to happen more. You, you hear a lot of people talk like, oh, I want to travel like a local, but then, then they go and how much do they really do on that? So I think where that's where a travel advisor can really come in handy and especially a travel advisor, my listeners out there, travel advisor listeners, you know, you got to get out there and experience that yourself because it's important for you to, to know that because that is such a growing trend as we're seeing here in your report that people really want to get that local experience and you have to get that experience yourself to be able to actually sell it, you know? I completely agree. And I know I work for a company that has thousands of travel advisors, but I recently actually had to switch vacations because there was like political unrest in the first places I wanted to go. And I switched to go to Argentina. And it was actually the travel advisor that helped me figure out where to go. And they kind of know me over the years and the kind of trips I take. And they were actually really able to hone in on the localness of Argentina. You know, we went we went down as far as Ushuaia. We met Ushuaian people. We heard about their life. We kind of like shadowed some of them actually and got to know them a little bit. And uh it's a destination that gets relatively few uh, visitors a year, less only about 250,000 international visitors oh, yeah. to that part of the world. So for me, the travel advisor connected me to the experience, and I really did feel like I got to know the destination a little bit better. That's great. A little hidden gem almost there. That's the, another aspect of, of travel trends right now, especially from your report on on this. So a little off-the-beaten-path hidden gem stuff. They're, they're out there, and there there are many hidden gems that are still yet to be discovered. And there are some that continue uh, maybe slowly surpassing the hidden aspect of it as, you know, social media takes its form and, and kind of, you know, blossoms a destination from that. But there, there's a lot to love with hidden gems and just kind of exploring on your own. But, you know, leaning on that travel advisor to help guide you, especially in a place where, you know, it's very unfamiliar. Maybe you don't speak the language or anything like that. It's good to have that in your back pocket, so to speak. That's right. I get a lot of inspiration, though, from content that's focused on nature and documentaries, as well as social media. And uh, you're right, it certainly can lead to more people going to that destination. But it's just inspiring, right? It, it forces you to think about where else you can go, where else can I see nature, where else can I get local cultures. And, you know, I think it's the curiosity that's piqued by social media. And then you get to your travel advisor, and they kind of help you bring it together in your own mind, along with all of the requirements you might have for a particular trip. But travelers had to have had time to sit at home and think about what type of vacations they'd like to take. And uh, they're using that insight from those trips to really bring forth, you know, what they'd like to do. So looking at the report, do you have a favorite trend on this? Are you looking forward to experiencing something the most out of all this? 
I think for me, it's a lot around, you know, I love the food part of the culture. Uh, I love getting to restaurants. You know, I live in New York, so you get to experience a lot of vacation, a lot of good food in New York. But, you know, having Italian food in Italy versus having it in New York, somehow it just feels a little better, a little fresher, a little bit more organic. You know, I think that uh, the food part certainly helps shape where I want to go, along with kind of nature and inspiration, trying to get away from the city and take it down a little bit while I'm away. Yeah, you know, Italy, New York, Italian food, I think maybe a tiny comparison. But yeah, it's, I think it's just it goes back to the mindset aspect, too. You know, you're, you're in Italy and that food just naturally tastes better, for sure. I mean, sure, there's fantastic Italian meals in New York, and many of us have had them. But you take that same exact meal, you put it over in Italy, and it's going to taste better because you're in Italy, right? You know, it's just the scenery, too, and everything. So that's right. You're getting the, the real experience, treating eating like a local. Indeed. So you have traveled quite extensively. So what are your best travel tips, both uh, for for work travels? We have a lot of listeners out here who travel for work, but also for leisure as well. I'm curious on on both those fronts. Yeah, I do travel a lot. I do a lot of leisure trips as well as work and leisure. And the first thing I do when I get there, regardless of the time, is I kind of hit the pavement and go for a walk around the neighborhood so that I kind of get the like, okay, where am I relative to where I think I am and where I've come from? It's, you know, it kind of grounds me a little bit. It's a great way to see the city, get my steps in and kind of shake off that plane feeling so that I can really put my head in the destination than that. Other than that, I try to pack light. It's always a challenge for me, but I do count the outfits. I do try to do the same color pilot, as you would imagine. Uh, I drink a ton of water and then I talk a lot to business owners. I talk a lot to the concierges at the hotels, the people who work in the hotels to find out kind of what it's like here, because uh, some of those insights have certainly helped me have a much better time than if I'd been trying to just Google it and get around. So, you know, speak, speak to the people who work there and get their ideas and put them into your itinerary and be flexible because things happen, you know, things just happen. So I found that just being open to what kind of takes me on a particular day in addition to kind of having an idea of what I want to do kind of gets me there and helps me to get the most out of a destination. Love that. Yes, definitely be friendly and make friends with the hotel staff because they can help out in a number of ways beyond just the regular work, you know, situation there. But yes, getting you connected to everything else around the city and stuff is is so important. And hotel workers are are just fantastic and fabulous and they can help in that regard. And I do love the tip of, I hear this more and more, you know, hit the ground running. You may be tired, especially if it's an international one, but, you know, get your feet on the earth over there is what I like to do. And yeah, then you, you just can fit right in a little easier. So I love that. Yeah, and you kind of got the lay of the land before you get going first on a serious day, you know? Right, yeah. And before you might need a nap, which I certainly do from time to time. So (laughs) especially these days, I have a three-year-old and a four-month-old. So naps are are my best friend right now, honestly. So you're one of the people who probably really look forward to a business trip. And uh, I love those kind of business trips, too, where you can actually really soak up being in the destination, whether you're going to order in local food or order in room service and like make the best out of the amenities at the hotel. And there are really beautiful properties around the world so that I guess in that way, maybe you restore a little bit before you go back home to your hectic life with your young family. Indeed, I do. Yes, I do have one coming up in a few weeks. I will be in the Dominican Republic at an all-inclusive. So that will be a nice uh, mix of work, uh, but finding leisure within the work, so to speak. So since I am in a tropical 
uh, destination and everything. Yes. So that's right. Well, thank you so much, Audrey. Any closing um, tips or advice or wisdom you want to share to our travel listeners? Well, I think the first thing is look out for a travel counselor. They can help you immensely in, you know, navigating complex destinations, but also helping you when things go wrong. And I think secondly, be open. You know, the world is a beautiful place waiting for us to explore. And, uh, you know, look, think beyond the obvious, you know, look at other destinations, alternative cities, because sometimes those are the places where you'll get the most. So, well, thanks again for having me on. And I wish everybody safe travels in 2023. Thanks again to Audrey for jumping on the show and talking all things travel there, taking time out of her busy schedule as president to jump on and do a little chit chats of travel. Always fun talking travel. If you'd like to be on the show, reach out to me, podcast at travelpulse.com. Let me know your thoughts. Love to hear from you folks out there. If you could leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, I would greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great week.